Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for one another and each other's lives. Make us members in those lives. In your son's name, amen. Um, I was in a conversation last night that prompted this sermon. Talking uh, with Jesse Broussard about... uh, The amount we don't know. Uh, we were looking at talking about various kinds of bugs, and he was he'd read a book on bugs and was relating these various nasty bugs that did nasty things to other bugs. And that was part of their life cycle was how nasty they could be to another kind of bug. And we don't even know how many bugs we don't know about. We don't know how much we don't know about humanity. And so it was coming to our minds as we talked about it that there's a humility that arises. Uh, Just a generic humility as you begin to realize how little. And you think that maybe as you learn the stuff you start to act with the, the, the idea of being the sophomore. You thought you learned enough to speak wisely but you really are a wise fool. So as I was thinking about it, he asked me what I was going to preach on. I said, I didn't know. But I said, maybe, I'll, maybe this conversation will play a role. And it, and it did, as I was thinking about it. Because a certain verse sprang to my mind. And that verse is in chapter of Job, chapter um, 37. The last verse of chapter 37 Therefore men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise in their own conceit. So that verse, I mentioned that verse right at the end because that was what had sprung. And it was one of my favorite passages right there at the end of of chapter 37 of Job. So when I got up this morning and I was looking at Job, I said, you know, God follows Elihu in in this circumstance. God follows, and for the next remaining chapters of the book leans into Job and Job's failure and so I thought I would pick out those parts, there's a a whole lot of section Uh, talks about behemoth, talks about Leviathan talks about where were you when I made this, that and the other thing, so I trimmed all that and I basically had the there's three introductory remarks by God in Job 38 Job 40, Job 42 where um, the, the, the interchange is, is uh, not the lecture portion. Verse 1 of chapter 38, Then the Lord, this is right after the verse, He does not regard any who are wise in their own conceits. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkened counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Basically, I'm going to ask you questions, and you're going to give me some answers. Not you're going to chant something back. No, you're going to give me some answers. And it's going to be a little rough, Job. 
Hence, why don't you put your big boy panties on? Because that's what gird up your loins like a man translates as. Okay? Pull up your jockey shorts. You're in for it now. And this in the midst of how sad Job's circumstance was. You know, you could probably get a GoFundMe thing going for Job because things were pretty, pretty grim. Even his wife is saying, curse God and die. His friends are going, oh, we think you probably were bad. That's why this happened. And you'll want to side with Job. And most people who don't read their Bibles think Job was the good guy. They speak of it as the patience of Job. Which is legitimate. Job had some patience. But you get to the end of the book, and first Elihu is a young, you know, I wouldn't call him a bad student, but let's just say he was a little uh, above his... Uh, he knew he was working above his pay grade. But he comes into Job and leans into him and just says, you're a schmuck. That's just it. It's not that you did something bad. It's that you're not thinking right about this. And then God comes in and echoes Elihu and just tears Job apart. God is speaking out of a whirlwind. Already it's getting a little bit Charles Williams-ish. Okay? There's a dervish, there's a sand devil, whatever you want to call it, a whirlwind. This is not an Oklahoma twister. We're talking probably a, a dervish uh, um, that you see out by Othello all the time. But there's this whirlwind and a voice coming out of it. And the basic problem is you're talking about things that you don't know. You ever been in that kind of discussion where somebody says, I think, and then pontificates on the political situation or on the financial situation or, or how people should function together and you're looking at them like that? They're retarded. They're darkening counsel without knowledge. Why would we listen to you? Put on your big boy panties. And that's what, uh, you know, in, in the business, we professionals, are called upon to answer people on things. And uh, they're always the same questions. And they're always uh, feeling or acting like they're the first person to ever think of this. The accusations against God, accusations against this, or why does it have to be this way? And the first thing that crosses your mind is, wow, they, they don't know much. They don't know much. They, don't have, they really don't have you to ask a question. Of course, they're admitting they don't know. They're seekers after truth. But they, they shouldn't even be framing up the question. They don't know enough to frame up that question. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. I was talking to an a agnostic atheist a few weeks ago. <clears throat> And uh, he, was, he, was, uh, he was slippery. Because every question I would ask him, he would ask me a question back. Not answer my question and ask me a question, fair play, but twist my question into a question in return. He never had to answer anything. 
I finally had to sit on him, not physically, but I had to sit on him and go, no, you're going to answer this question. Until you answer this question, this conversation is going nowhere. God is saying this to Job. I will question you and you will declare to me. Last few weeks, I've, I've made a few remarks about, you might say, homework you could do. One was drawn out of that first few chapters of Place of the Lion, where one of the, the hero of the book, Anthony Durant, says, why don't we, people should, every five years or so, make a map of their thinking with the key roads, all the major places they visit, places they didn't visit, they wish they had visited. Map your mind. Last week, I think it was last week, we were talking about perception and thought. The need for you to write down, not for me, and not to turn in, or not to get in trouble with the Spanish Inquisition, but so you would know what you actually claim to believe, what you have claimed to perceive, not what you and your slavish uh, pursuing after church acceptance that you agreed with the orthodoxy of whoever you hung out with, but what did you perceive was true about God? Because if you're a Christian, at some point, you perceived something that was true about God that made you fall to your knees, confess your sins, and call on the name of the Lord to be saved. You at least know that if you're a Christian. If you're going, what's that you just said? Then talk to me afterwards, because you're not a Christian. The idea that we need to know what we're doing before, because this is a step, this is a step in this, you might say, this line of thought this morning. You need to put on your big boy panties, you not need to declare answers to the questions given you. You need to know what it is you have claimed to perceive, claim to care and uh, believe in and declare it out loud. Well, I like things like the Apostles' Creed because they're, you know, they're tidy, they're short, they're well written. When you say something, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Do you? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Do you? Write your own. You don't have to borrow somebody from the 300s. You can... You can you can write your own. I believe. This is the map of where I am. I think this. You will be judged. We will not be judged corporately in a sense that uh, we all stand up as all souls Christian and kind of the average holiness level is what we all get the points for. No, you will be judged for what you have done. You might want to know who it is you are, what it is you believe, and declare out loud whether you do it in writing a poem, if you're not literary, you might not want to write a poem. You might just want to state in a sentence. You know, maybe with a crayon on a big sheet of paper, but whatever the simplicity level you need, do it. You need to know where you stand. You, these are questions all of us. If everybody is feeling the right to ask questions and not answer any, that's where we get this world full of really charming agnosticism. But doubts are not answers. That's, doubts, are the, doubts are questions. What have you answered? What you haven't answered, you still have as a question. But you don't go get to stand under the shade of your beautiful doubt and claim it's an answer. Declare something. 
When God speaks, say, I don't agree with you, God. I don't like that. I think I shared with you an old friend of ours uh, who was of Roman Catholic persuasion and probably pretty liberal. Came to me after a sermon. This was back when we were in the uh, log cabin. And I preached something out of St. Paul. And it wasn't anything, you know, that the liberals would be bothered by. But she was a little bit bothered that I even considered St. Paul to be inspired. She came up to me afterwards and said, uh, you know, I, you know, St. Paul's got some things in him. So I said, uh, and I spoke her first name because I was good friends with her. I said, so-and-so, on here on one hand I have St. Paul the Apostle, I have you on the other. St. Paul the Apostle and you on the other. Who are you? You're nobody. St. Paul the Apostle, writer of the scriptures, and I'm supposed to, because you came up to me after church and thought some things about Paul, who are you? Now, that's what you need to know, is you need to know who you are. When the questions come down to you from God, you need to go, okay, I do have my panties on, I'm ready, but I need to say something. You either say, yes, Lord, in the military, um, very early, uh, within, a, within a day, I think, if my memory serves, the correct response to everything was, sir, yes, sir. That was the correct response. Now, occasionally it would be, no, sir, no, sir, uh, no, sir, no, sir, but if they expected a no out of you. You had to give them the expected response, bracketed by sirs. That's how Job is feeling right now. Sir, yes, sir. That's what God's expecting out of him right now. Sir, yes, sir. You're going to answer me. When someone comes up to you and says, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? He says, sir, yes, sir. What do you believe? Now, in this process of finding out yourself, like I mentioned last week, if you were writing your own creed, it's not because we're postmodern and you get to believe whatever little truth you have. You're not right because you have a creed, but at least you know who you are. Okay? Know who you are and then find out if you're wrong. Because it's really important not just to know who you are, but to find out if you're wrong. If you're right. To what degree right? To what degree wrong? I had a quote that sprang to mind. I had to share it here from the show Mork and Mindy. Some of you remember that far back. This was, what's his name? Robin Williams. He had gotten into some paint fumes or something like that. And so he told the girl in the show, I'm going to rip off your lips and paste them to your eyes so you can see what you're saying. I thought it was a beautiful lie. I don't believe we should treat the young ladies this way. But the idea of how important it is for you to see what you're saying. What are you going to declare? And do you see clearly what this is? Because what you don't know 
What we don't know, we don't even know what the size of the pie is of what we don't know, so we don't know when we know things, what a small sliver of personal wonder and excellence you are. And that's where God starts to go in verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. I'm sure you were there in the crowd somewhere. I missed you. I'm sure you were there, easy to be spotted, but I just wasn't looking. I was busy creating everything. You could tell the attitude. God, God this, people wonder if God has comic attitudes. God has comic attitudes. Surely, surely you know. Or who shut the sea with doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther. Here shall your proud waves be stayed. Were you there when I made the earth? What part did you take in it? Oh, how about the oceans? How about them? Work that out? I was working that out. Were you there? These are things you can't, you'll be, you, you can walk down to the beach and look at the ocean. It's there. You can look the other direction, there is the earth. It's a basic things here. Uh, verse 12. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? Let's just grant that you can't, you know, master time and go back, or you haven't lived that long, but at least since you've been alive, the wonder of your being has allowed you to bring the sun up in the morning. You are Apollo, of course, riding in your chariots, and caused the dawn to know its place. The earth, the deep, the day, big tickets in your every moment. It's the stage on which all of us stand, this is something you should declare. Where were you? What have you done? And you need to answer. You can't just go, oh yeah, okay. You need to say, sir, I didn't do anything. No, sir, I didn't do any of this. I'm not responsible for anything that's around here. It's amazing and I am just, I'm just me. You weren't. You aren't. You didn't. Let it fall from your lips. It's amazing. It's amazing what you will hear when you say it. Well, another portion of uh, Place of the Lion that we were reading, I think it was just this last week, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys that are attending, where Anthony talked, well, it mentions that Anthony, once he took action, he had greater confidence in what he was not quite believing yet. It grounded him to take action. It grounds you to say something. 
What it says in Romans 10, somewhere in Romans 10, because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not because it's an incantation, because it's almost crippling for us to say it. Now, those of you who've been parents, and I'm warning those of you who have not been parents, but maybe you remember yourself, say thank you. Kid can't get thank you out. You can't even say, tell your grandma thank you, even insincerely. We grant that you're lying, but do it, it's polite. Kids still won't do it. Our, our grandson, the oldest, was uh, when he was here last, he was supposed to thank his grandmother, looking her in the eye. It was amazing. I mean, it was like TV. It was, it was great acting. Uh, he, he never did it. He finally thought that if he said thank you, as he spun around, let his eyes cross Leslie's face, and that was it. And I was looking at this guy, he's unbelievable. What an incredible little sinner of my posterity. We don't we won't say things. Now we're not talking about saying things where the cute girls can hear you. Well, I really believe that uh, X, Y, and you start talking a very defensive and strong defense for the faith because there are cute girls around. I'm talking about in the privacy of your own prayer closet where your mouth opens up and you declare the answers to these questions and many others. Know what you have claimed to believe. If you don't claim Jesus Christ, say it, be a man. You've got, a, got the panties on. At least people know what to you know, argue with you about what to pray for you regarding. Don't hide in church pews in your unbelief until finally you take an opportunity in some moment of doubt to walk away from the faith where no one will spot you because obviously you did not gird up your loins like a man. We have the earth, we have the deep, we have the day. And all of those things, not only on one hand, in the teleological argument where you're pointing at, see the creation, Romans 1, infinite power and deity are clearly perceived. We're sometimes simple-minded about those things because we're materialists as well. Just like the world, we think this is a great argument against using where did this material come from? Anything from information theory or history or whatever else it is. Well, those are fine. That's well and good. One thing we fail to realize about the creation, God has got purposes in nature. Verse 12, have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed, charged, oh, excuse me, it is changed like clay under the seal. It is dyed like a garment from the wicked. Their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. This is not merely 
stuff and the power it takes to make the stuff. Or the rotation of the spheres. Or the containing of the oceans. Or matter out of nothing. Those are all valid points in the argument, but the Lord is going somewhere with Job that your relationship with this The na- that nature is contending with you. If you're going to be a fool, say you, whatever it is you declare is completely wrong, or you don't bother declaring it, you don't bother sitting and answering these things, and you're skipping through your life because you're young, you're healthy, and you want to marry who you want to marry, because that's what you want to do. You want to do this this way because that's what you want to do. Do you realize you live in a world in which the beings that have made it, God himself, is hunting you down like a dog? Not just because at the judgment you'll get yours, but you're living in a world filled with booby traps. Now you're skipping through Fallujah, not realizing that there's a lot of IEDs under the ground. Why don't you go into minefields? I don't care how old they are, because you don't know where the mines are. That's what they do. They hide them under the dirt. God has mined this planet to shake the wicked out. Their light is withheld. They can't see what's going on. Because when you make the declaration that I am walking the earth like a lord of the earth, and the way I decide life's going to be led, everything should turn out for me, even though I'm a complete bastard. God does not take kindly those who are wise in their own conceits. And he's designed the system to just crush you if you're a fool, destroy you if you're wicked. It's the whole instant karma of the thing. There's a spin that he puts on nature. You know how you play ping pong? I used to play ping pong. I used to be good. I can remember the sort of Newtonian moment when I realized that this, if I did this, the ball would spin that way, and then it would literally go sideways when it bounced off the other guy's side. I was like, magic. And then you're looking for paddles that would get that grip. Those real spongy ones, you know, and a lot of tack to them, and they just spin that thing. God's put a lot of English in creation so that you, if you don't know and submit to him, it's going to be shaking you out of its skirts. Now, during the next, I, I trim, this is not continuous text, I, this is contextually uh, a violation. I pulled out all of the things he then says about the stars and about the oxen and about the ibex and the whatever, the stuff he made. To jump to chapter 40, verse 1, and the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? 
He who argues with God, let him answer it. If you're going to stand up and you're going to go, I don't see how God can be uh, really that just. Okay, step, step out. We're going to have a few words with you. You don't understand how God can be just with these bad things happening. Listen to yourself. Let alone the whole thing of there, there can't be no God because there's no justice, therefore there can be no, what's the, uh, if God isn't just, how can there be a God? You say, how do you believe that justice is good without a God? You can't. There is no such thing as justice being good. If you're going to fault, find fault with God, stand up for it. Admit what you're declaring. That somehow, some magical way, even though you're not responsible for any of this, you have come from the time you were a baby to complete understanding of the cosmos where you could decide what's good to do. And from that exalted vantage point, you're going to... Um, Tell him where to get off. You've heard Christians talk this way. They find fault with God. If you're going to find fault with God, you better be ready to answer some questions. Job was ready, and Job answered the Lord, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer thee? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, I will not answer. Twice, but I will proceed no further. He's, he understands. What, I mean, of course, he's in the moment. You know, we're just sitting around together in church. We don't have a whirlwind and a voice coming out of it. And it's really God's voice. So Job has been brought up short by this. There is a, the conceit we have when we ignore the world around you and your relationship to it. Remember, when you see the world, do you just think of it in materialistic accidental terms because the world taught you it was a materialistic accident? Do you just look at it as a kind of beautiful backdrop for the wonder of your play that you're playing out in front of it on the fourth stage? People's, I'm a pastor, and so consequently I get to counsel people, and uh, a lot of people have problems, by the way. You can keep every counselor busy for a long time. Everybody's messing it up. After 6,000 years, they're still messing it up. The pervasive ignorance and incompetence is why they're messing it up. They don't know who they are in reference to what has been made. And yet, and yet, even though they walk through their decisions, I married this girl because she was really beautiful and, and she said she was a Christian and it's just things are going bad. Why isn't God fixing it? This is what you get when you don't bow the knee to the way God wants life to be. They're always demanding good results. And all the complaints, once your life starts circling the drain, 
grabbing the rim of the toilet one more time and pointing at heaven and saying, see, there is no God because I ruined my life. He should have been ready not to have a creation that punishes people like me, but his creation should have been that no matter what I decided to do in my life, things would turn out. You ever wonder about luck? I don't know, you don't have to believe in luck. But I think when you get a, a, a right perspective of what God has done and made, and why, and you start living in accord with it, your luck changes. Whether it's God's providence stepping into your life and into your way, or you just say, I, I've learned how to live in accord with God's creation. I'm not fighting every step of the way to have it be my decisions. It's going to be the way it is. So even to the point where I die, I die, God willing, of a good old age, surrounded by many descendants. Because God is good to those. But everyone else gives the middle finger to God, denies he's even there, finds fault with him, they don't believe in God and they hate him for it. He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then the Lord, verse 6 of chapter 40, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you declare to me. Once again, he's laying that groundwork for the relationship, you should have that groundwork in your mind. When things get presented to you out of the scriptures, what are you going to do with it? Oh, I don't agree with Paul on this. I don't agree with I've heard Christians say, I don't agree with Jesus. I remember I've told you that story before of when, um, who was it that was from Colorado? Uh, Thomas um, was preaching on the rich young ruler and some Christian in the leadership of Campus Crusade, this was years ago, walked up to him afterwards and told him that Jesus was wrong. Told him that Jesus was wrong when he told the guy, you know, to give away all that he had, give the proceeds to the poor and follow him, because that wasn't what that says in the four spiritual laws. You know, he wasn't presenting the gospel to him, he was telling him to obey another rule. So Jesus was wrong. Okay. Brave, give them that. Or really stupid. I will question, and you will declare to me, will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? Because really what that's really what it's all about. You got up in the morning in love with you. You've met, you know. Looking for someone just perfect. I'm looking for someone who will match me like, oh, I love me. That's right. I really do. I look in the mirror. What a guy. What a guy. And I'm interested in everything that benefits this person. I will serve this person with everything I do all day long. Because what a, what a guy. I mean, you probably know that. You're probably, you know, just saying, I really admire Evan too. Probably as much as he does. Well, that's what we'd like to think, right? That not only, well, they ought to, or they might not, but what's wrong with them? I certainly love me. 
amazing how our ethics took a turn. God says, love your neighbor as yourself. You say, my neighbor should be loving me as I love myself. And then the world had better, you know, when things go, you know, that don't work out for you and they didn't remember your birthday, and they didn't. Actually, Lydia did. She came by yesterday with a bottle of wine for my birthday. Haven't had it yet. Thank you. What do we do? We want the world to soak circle on us. We want us to be somehow the standard of justice, the standard of good, the standard of... Even though if the questions came home to us about, were you there when all this was made? Who are you anyway? What a complete demanding piece of work you are. And would you sacrifice God that you could get what you want? Would you condemn God? Would you condemn God? There's that, and I've, I've mentioned this a lot, and I just think Christians need to recognize this as such an easy philosophical problem to deal with. Stephen Fry was on some YouTube video where he challenges a priest to describe to uh, explain why this child dies of this awful disease. How can there be a God? And the priest that he's talking to is befuddled because that's what priests get. People think that the question of theodicy is too much of a problem. The answer is because you are an awful person. That's why that child died of that disease. Because you, Stephen Fry, decided you wanted to be a homosexual. And you think the world has to agree with you. And so if you think that your choice has to be agreed with, that means everybody's choice has to be agreed with. Everyone gets to do what they want, in spite of the fact that it turned the whole creation against itself, all the futility was released, all the problems of man not serving God but serving themselves, made disease crop up, death crop up, and what do you think happens when death and disease crop up? Small children die because you are rotten. And because you believe everyone has the right to be rotten. Because you're, you have a right to be what you want to be. Why can't the Nazi pedophile be what he wants to be? It's simple. It's the conceit of man. They want to stand in the judgment seat as if they had made the globe, as if they had contained the seas, as if the sun came up this morning at their command. Will you even put God to the wrong? Not only ignore him, but put him in the fault position. Judgment. Job 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord, I know that thou canst do all things, and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I told you that joke a little while ago, a few Sundays ago, John Cleese had mentioned on a film, he said, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. We think we get to have plans for our life. The, the amount of area where you get to plan 
is, uh, ought to be humbly small. Because God has already planned what the world that you live in has to be lived in as. Both in terms of to get along with the creation, and two, to get along with man, three, to get along with God. That's going to take up some time. You've got the kingdom of God asking for your attention. But no, we don't understand. Every so often they discover a new civilization in Brazil or, or some other place. Remember when they discovered Ebla in Syria and it just blew everybody away. They didn't know what to do with it. I got a civilization here. I don't know where shall I put this. We'd already written the history books. And it's amazing how confident we were. We don't even know the history of our own people. You probably don't know the history of your family, but maybe a few generations back. You, you don't even know, let alone how all of God's creation works, you don't even know how you're a part of it works. Why it works. You can't even tell the real story. You don't understand, and then you hit your pants up and say, I'm going to make some decisions around here. I've got an idea. Let's do it my way. You don't know yourself. And even if you knew yourself, what small portion of all of it is that? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you declare to me. I heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see thee, sees thee. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And that's the end of the conversation. Then the last bit of the chapter describes how God vindicates Job with his friends and restores Job. This is the last personal thing said. You know the difference between hearing and seeing? Do not be hearers of the word only. Very easy for us to go to a Bible study or listen to a discussion in front of us where it's about deeper things spiritually and we uh, call that the Christian life. This might be it, once a week, Bible-based sermon. It is Bible-based. That is the Bible. Is that knowing? Is that having seen him? Take some time to declare out loud to yourself who he is to you. Who you are to him. Not only that, but not only we register this hearing moment. And I, people ask me, somebody was asking me the other day, how long are your messages? Because they were thinking, their church, the pastor spoke for 30 minutes, what a piker. And he said, you talk longer than that? I said, 45, maybe 50. He looked at me like I was some uber Christian, just wow. And they sit still? No. <laughs> they don't, they sleep, but and some people think that once a week someone talking to their ears 
about Bible things, seriously believing the scriptures. Man, what a Christian walk. And we go home to our lives. I was sitting in my library the other day, talking to Daniel and Taylor, I think, at least, maybe some other people, about how hard it is to develop what would be the old Western man's look, sight, seeing things the correct way, the way they are. When everything in our life for the last couple hundred years has been designed by the Industrial Revolution, Enlightenment, and uh, materialism. I can turn the heat up, I can turn the lights on, turn the lights off, go get a cold Coke out of the fridge. Everything in my life has been answered by secular materialism. And I thank them for it. I like my Cokes cold. But I don't often see, unless I go to look for something that will show me the world that God made that I dwell in. What's this quote out of Slam 121.1? I mistyped Slam. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is a matter of lifting up your eyes to the hills, knowing that your God is the maker of those hills. Not only those hills, but the heavens and the earth. With Job reaching this place where he sees it. He's reached a point of personal perception. He could draw out a map of what his thinking is like now. He could write his own creed. He certainly is declaring it out loud. He repents in dust and ashes. There's a recognition. There's a humility. There's a repentance. There's a submission. Wouldn't it be great if all Christians recognized their God, had the humility of someone who had really seen what this was about, had repented of all the acts that they did that they knew their God disapproved of, and they submitted to their God. Wouldn't it be great? Part of it is standing up like a man, and I don't, ladies, I, I didn't mean to, it's just the usual Christian misogyny. But I'm sure you could put your big girl panties on too and face up to this. What do I believe? Really? I've known people that after X number of years of functioning in the church came up to me and said, you know, I'm tired of faking it. I don't believe. Some cases it didn't surprise me. But some people, if they face this question, end up finding out that I don't believe. Next question is, do you want to? Or is that kind of a relief that you don't have to fake at the minimal hearing amount of going to church? Because it does end up being a matter of I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's what happens. Now I want to just read to you that end of chapter 37 that I had thought of preaching on that led us into this. This is Elihu speaking. Shall it be told him that I would speak? Did a man ever wish that he would be swallowed up? And now men cannot look on the light when it is bright in the skies, when the wind has passed and cleared them. 
Out of the north comes golden splendor. God is clothed with terrible majesty. The Almighty, we cannot find him. He is great in power and justice, and abundant righteousness he will not violate. Therefore, men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise in their own conceit. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we are grateful. Help us learn to stand before you in your creation and recognize what it means to declare you as creator of all things. Help us recognize how we stand and so that your love for us, your expectation of righteousness, your offer of mercy, all of them take on great wonder because we know who we are, how big we are, where we stand. Have repentance beyond our lips. In your son's name, amen.